Right, so I was uh, on a night out with my with my friends the other day, and uh, one of them <laughs> had tried to follow this podcast and was asking me how it's going because <laughs> um, he tried listening to a, a few minutes, uh, but <clears throat> he was saying it's over his head. <laughs> Actually, most times it's it's over my head too because I'm just trying to kind of learn how to embrace speaking in the moment, thinking on my feet. Um, most of the times ideas that don't fit anywhere else in my work uh, as a researcher, uh, whether it's going to be the academic aspects or the, the more practical aspects of it. So I think that gave me some inspiration to think through how this this thing is going to work forward going forward because I feel like a part of it was always I felt ashamed that I have to do these while I'm walking or while I'm running because normally you know that what's become popular is the sit down podcast uh, that's become slightly corporatized and edited and I actually don't think that's where the, the original idea came from for this thing I think it was just about speak in your your mind and I'm actually you know enjoying this so uh, I put in the description that it will not be easy to listen to because I'm trying to figure out how the microphone game is gonna work um, with me moving about because um, I'm actually now on the preparation trail for uh, an ultra uh, it's on the River Severn UK uh, 45 kilometers just this one is just a preparation for the one I really want to do uh, back in Bulgaria back home uh, which is 100 kilometers around the mountain that's connecting my my hometown and the capital so these two I'm, I'm doing to raise uh, money for charity uh, for the British Ukraine aid helps it helps with uh, Obviously the war effort, uh, but it's mainly with medical supplies. It was the first one that I saw on Just Giving. So either look it up on Just Giving if you want to donate, or have a look at my website on adapting.co.uk, adapting with a C, so adapting. Uh, I've put the homepage to be about that. Uh, I've already raised 110 pounds. I never thought that I'd be raising money with my running. I always thought it was something I did on the side to get the sense of freedom uh, and away from the constraints of having to say the proper things, whether it's going to be in a corporate setting uh, or in the scientific sense, because obviously you're trying to speak truth, true things or things that fit into a, a corporate structure. But I guess this will now become a thing. Um, so. Uh, with that in mind, I do have some notes about what I want to talk about, so some of the, the ideas and missed things that I've had uh, since the last episode. You can actually see the last episode got uh, quite a lot of views uh, compared to the previous ones, um, because I, and, and that makes me feel good. It does make me feel good, because place actualizing is something, it's an idea that I think has legs, uh, I'll need to with the data that I've got uh, from the PhD research, um, which by 
now I've managed to get uh, all of the initial round of analysis done from all the participants and now I'm making those uh, more explicit into little pen portraits empty mouse as we call them in user experience research in the practical realm but uh, I'm trying to yeah, still not be too formal about it and uh, even though there is a method to that what I'm trying to showcase is that by by selecting you know sampling uh, around the topic not necessarily the quantitative way but the qualitative way I've managed to get actually quite a lot of diversity and that makes me really good uh, uh, you know I've got um, people from all sorts of backgrounds even though the, the main criteria obviously was only people that are would classify as highly skilled because that's on the agenda for the British government many other governments to try and attract highly skilled individuals to their places uh, and that happens at the national level but also cities have started trying to do that in regions and uh, obviously that meant picking people that have a, a college degree or higher you know university degree or higher uh, or just about that in the UK the kind of formal definition that will probably be featuring somewhere at the beginning of my introduction about why is this research relevant uh, they, they have these uh, NVQ levels or I don't know national vocational qualifications I don't know what it is they formalize it uh, I was trying to get something that is close that but obviously uh, uh, my thinking started from uh, another theory that got some Florida's work on the creative class and how uh, people from the creative class are choosing places to live based on the quality of place this kind of uh, bundle of as his work calls it, obviously it takes a positive approach and tries to analyze uh, the different categories of, of amenities that the creative class would be interested in. And I've taken a qualitative approach, a uh, phenomenological approach, trying to understand the experience and what is that experience really about. So the, kind of the aboutness part will feature initially in the first uh, round of analysis. But I'll, I'll focus on the harder things, right? So the, the more uh, hard to dispute um, aspects like people's paths to, to the present, uh, you know, the moment in which I interviewed them, uh, the places where they were born, where they have connections with family, friends, uh, what places do they find attractive, what places would they never consider living in, uh, and then getting into the softer, uh, more higher order, to use some of uh, Maslow's kind of work. seem to be not so much about you know in the memories the way that the participants describe them back to me it's not about the place it's a lot about 
metaphors like I'm not in a good place you know I'm in my happy place probably get used uh, but you know not to get linguistic about it because I know that linguistics is where my mind gets really lazy uh, it's something I keep ranting privately to my wife about and because I maybe don't understand it but linguistics seems to be the, the, the part of the cognitive sciences that I find not enjoyable let's be diplomatic because again I just avoid it um, really I don't find it interesting it doesn't pull me um, because you know philosophy of mind uh, AI even research um, psychology these aspects of the cognitive sciences I find interesting you know decision-making this is interesting linguistics seems to be trying to take something that people use in the in the moment in time to express an experience and then take that too seriously as if you're a robot and then analyze that rather than thinking about the, the real experience and obviously that's not charitable because the people that would do proper hermeneutic research you know and read and uh, try and put themselves in the shoes of someone uh, using certain language and how could they be a reasonable person when they use things like that that could be helpful reminds me of the literal culture that I see uh, in my daily job when I work with people that try to program things because uh, that requirement that things are explicit um, is almost like a given. It's, a, it's an axiomatic thing and I think that's where you know, we get in trouble with people that assume that we're going to be able to have an AI replace us entirely people have everything explicit in their mind, literal and codified into um, that you call out, but I think that's just obviously inaccurate when you look at the experience that people describe it, you have pockets of, of experience, you have pockets of awareness, and then the other things we can do without thinking, I mean like at the end of the day we need to do other things, you know, that's why I run sometimes, you know, other things, it doesn't require that much thinking, because in a world where we would have to be constantly we would probably be constantly tired and someone could argue that that's the situation we're in at the moment especially in the western world where I live the experience of everyone diagnosing themselves with different kind of mental disorders apart from the, the, the ones that really are there it is just a overload situation you know it's uh, it's probable one of the things that it's always been in the back of my mind, and again, um, this is this is where I'm reaching far uh, away from any data that I've got. Um, and I think it's just interesting to think, like, why would evolutionary processes require us to be on and aware? It was probably for self-preservation. Okay, so then to know the self, you need to have a definition of the self. Some sort of working definition is easy to figure out with, you know, around the skin, something that's around me. That's all right. I actually think there are some studies that try to do that. But anyway, beside the factual point, it's interesting to think about that if you're always on, and that was for survival, if you need to be 
should you be cognitively on environment and that doesn't mean that your whole self is not there for the experience but things like states of flow intuitions um, and then what I'm trying to figure out as you know rules of thumb play a part in how I think thumb are different from intuitions um, habits all these things is that they are uh, codifications of protocols that could derive from scientific thinking but unless they are real uh, then it's harder to to enact them without, without getting completely on and they they would in certain situations overperform compared to the, the, the fully cognitive explicit lo- logic which is uh, where it's probably interesting to talk about some of the um, recent ideas I've had around what could be fun to do that I think it's one of those novels, novel ideas you know that I think is why I have this podcast for it's you know try out the new stuff see if it makes sense if it should just go into the scraps pile um, I had this idea that you know with the mindfulness practices that I do and again I think they are another non-cognitive non-traditionally cognitive non-axiomatically cognitive way of engaging our being is um, and I've been meditating for maybe uh, how long I think it's about nine years now maybe eight years and so the, the meditation is obviously now getting more mainstream it's a fresh field for trying out new things but I, I don't know because I haven't looked um, so it might not, I might be ripping off someone's work but how can different scientific methods that a scientist applies work with different kinds of meditation because by now I've developed a, an understanding of some of the landscape of the different types of meditation not just you know meditation mindfulness is uh, you know is the basic definitions but obviously there are different traditions within that and you would think that probably some of the more quantitative paradigms in science might fit with uh, the more transcendental types of meditation where uh, a mantra is being repeated it's kind of you know the, the type of mind that likes the repetition might be the type of mind that likes the transcendental so working around this area and this is still fresh so I'm not sure if I want to almost do the kind of the, the case study approach uh, researching this or think about uh, proper randomized controlled trials where you know think about success factors for uh, which kind of thinking the more scientific one or someone meditating would get to certain answers that would be very interesting but I think there is many things to think through this is just you know my mind getting too far ahead but there's something around connecting the dots between the mindfulness practice and the scientific application of you know, the being being of the science so uh, the stuff that I've learned from phenomenology about and design you know about kind of how people are you know being in the world how does it feel to do science in the world right so um, I think oftentimes if we lift the lid on science we might lose faith in it but we should lose faith in it because it's not religion. It should be something that we should unpack and see how it works. More people should know how it works because if they, if they see, then they wouldn't get so hung up 
on the existential angst that comes in when you rely on something rigid like you know the science says this and then all of a sudden you figure out wait now it doesn't and it's like well yeah because now we know more stuff we figured out new things we use more methods to change so we've overwritten the previous knowledge then i think that should be a very good thing and now i'm just gonna go through the notes because i think some of the other topics are not popping in naturally in my mind so let me just see Oh, okay. Well, actually, my notes have uh, some stuff that even for this are too... Well, I guess, fuck it, why not? Um, yeah, because my this passion, let's call it, for linguistics uh, really came to the surface when there was this call for submissions of... Uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Um, expressions of interest to work with Birmingham on a project that tries to uh, claim back its ties to um, John Ronald Reuel Tolkien's past because he grew up there. Uh, of course he didn't write much there, I don't think. It's, it's the usual spiel of, you know, famous person was born here, hence people born here should think that they can do something on themselves and inspire, you know, the best versions of people. Um, and, you know, I say this a bit cynically, but I did that with the setting up of the Darwin Festival in Shrewsbury, which uh, never gets mentioned anywhere. You know, they have the the, the toast with the, the person that set it up. Uh, he was a great guy, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, it used to be three lectures before I helped out. Um, as you can tell, I'm not bitter about that at all. Uh, but, you know... Another British person comes in, does that, you know, it just doesn't fit the narrative at all. Uh, but I was there for five years and I did help people organize themselves to do it. And it's pretty good that now it stands on its own. But anyway, you know, putting my ego to the side. The point here is that wasn't actually the, that wasn't the controversial bit. The controversial bit was <laughs> I tried to get myself into the, the mood, you know, and I have a way of getting into that state for working on on bids um, for advanced uh, research work and I was gonna you know get through the history of of talking his philosophy I have that you know kind of do the different uh, scientific disciplines and go through it get different reading and I I got to you know understand his philosophy figuring out he was a Christian but kind of the good kind of Christian that wasn't what really did it for me uh, then I watched the Christian philosopher explain loads of his how his work was almost not a separate world but a world that's a bit more real in this world you know that kind of implies a bit of heaven but it was interesting to to hear how Tolkien described that he just wanted to create languages and with the languages came you know the 
the, the peoples that use those languages, those languages basically came to his mind. So that was very interesting. But then also this is where I get off the off the train because uh, there's it's just not the language thing that's the that should be the driver of experience. It's the other way around. Uh, there are so many things that language can't capture. I've struggled with this my whole life. People, you know, I, I try to say something, you know, about what I'm going to be doing in the future. And because it's so young, I don't use the proper words. I don't, whatever, because it's not been there before. And then it's frustrating to hear back someone evaluating that and just grammatically thinking about what's being said and what's possible based on language rather than you don't see me when you're away not putting effort I'm there running hundreds of kilometers right that's the kind of ability I have of action without thinking so maybe that takes me further you know maybe it doesn't require talking even though I love talking and <laughs> well that was not intended but <laughs> Because I'm I'm reaching far into <laughs> talk, talking before thinking. I think that's a good good spot for me to recognize that and probably call it an episode. <laughs> Loving the talking. And I'm almost back to the start, so I've done the first segment of the of the ultra just to see how it feels, you know, to get to the point sometimes it's important to just know where you're gonna park on the day, things like that but also if anyone that's listening is interested donate, again adapting.co.uk with a C, adapting with a C um, uh, or google it on just giving, with my name Alex Vladimirov and then you'll see the two ultras that I'm running to raise funds for Ukraine alright, thanks